I'm Jennifer Nielsen, and this is Let It Glow, Episode 5, Choices, the Gift That Keeps on Giving. Ready, set, glow. Welcome to the Let It Glow podcast, a happy place where you'll learn how to let your soul shine and discover new ways to design your best life. I'm your host, Jennifer Nielsen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this podcast episode. We're talking about something that is very near and dear to me today. It's something that I had to learn along the way to really value, to really utilize, and to make work for me. And it's, it's created so many positive changes in my life and its choices. And it seems like such a basic concept, but for me, it has been truly life-changing. So often we feel stuck in our lives and we often look outward as to how to fix that. Sometimes we might be stuck with our weight or our finances, maybe in our relationships or in our jobs. But the secret of all this is that it's not those things that are causing us to feel stuck. We always have a choice in our life. And I love this quote by Maya Angelou. If you don't like something, change it. If you can't, change your attitude. Simple, right? Not so much. But if we really understand that if we want to change the world around us, we have to change ourselves, then we have the power and the ability to create something different instead of turning that over to whatever the elements are, to other people, just you know, out into the universe. So I love that idea. And really, if you understand that you have the choice and the ability to design a radiant life, that's an exciting place to be. There's hope with that. But really, choice is a gift. But we have to claim that. We have to use that. So today, I'll be using the word choice and agency interchangeably. And what it boils down to is just using our free will. And that's really going to be the focus of this podcast today. I'll be honest, there's been times when I was like, wow, this choice thing is for the birds because I've been affected by the bad choices of other people. And I've made choices in my life that have affected other people as well. And things that have left me with regret. I played the what if game. And if I didn't have to make those choices, that would all be gone. But when you think about the, the ramifications of that, of not making our choices and allowing others to have that influence or to make those choices for us, we have no ownership over the things that happen in our life. And I think that's really important to remember. And we'll get into that in a little bit about when, you, when you're a parent with your children and just it just goes on and on and on. And the way that things are taught around that is when we have those thoughts that maybe we're not enough, that we're not going to make it, when we have confusion stress, anxiety, unworthiness, we know that's coming from a dark place. And call it Satan, call it whatever you want. That's not of light. That's not truth. But when we look to our Savior, to Christ, He always teaches us that we are enough, because we are enough no matter what, that we're okay. And with that comes peace, worthiness, and connection. So just be mindful what you buy into. If you're buying into those, those thoughts of negativity versus those thoughts of light and truth, that's going to run your life in a different way. But understanding that we have choice in what we allow into our mind, into our thoughts, will create something different in our lives. And so that's an important distinction to make. 
So when we get stuck in our lives, we want to really look and try to understand who is in charge. If you're feeling stuck, there's something that you can do to get unstuck. That's just the bottom line. Because if you're waiting for someone else to pull you out of the ditch, you're going to be waiting a long time. So I'm going to talk today about some of the things that we can do, some choices that we can make so that we could get out of that place of feeling stuck. And that's really why this is one of my favorite topics, because if we understand choices in our life, it changes everything. And just to remember that you're only confined by the walls you build yourself. So it just goes back to putting the ball in our court rather than waiting for someone else or something else to change so that we'll be happy. But it starts with choice. We have to be willing to choose something different. One way that we don't utilize our gift of choice is with indecision. And this is really a hot topic for me because this has been something I've struggled with my entire life. I feel like I'm a recovering indecisive person. <laughs> I'm much better now. But I just remember being probably about 15 years old. I was in England with my family. We were at a little cafe in London. And this waiter said the most clever thing. He said, I used to be indecisive, but now I'm not sure. And I thought it was hilarious. And I've repeated it too many times to count. But I'll be honest, the humor has been lost on me as I've gotten older. Indecisiveness can be crippling. Like I said, I used to be so indecisive. I'd agonize over the most trivial of decisions. So imagine when it came time to choose my future spouse, how tormented I was. And I've talked about that a little bit before, but I got so wound up that I ended up with this white blood cell disorder and they were worried that I might have leukemia or whatever. I mean, our body, mind, and spirits are so connected. And I just was so worried about making the wrong decision. Or I, I don't know, I just was so stuck with that. And even now, Tom will laugh that if he was a couch, I would have traded him in a long time ago. I don't know. He might have a point. But now I look at my life very differently and the choices that I make. And for me, I'd rather make a wrong decision, quote unquote, than allow someone else to influence me or make that decision for me. And I used to always kind of go to that default mode. I was in The Fiddler on the Roof when I was little, or my Aunt Susie did these plays in the town of Gilbert. And of course, I was just in the, in the, the crowd. <laughs> I was just an extra, basically. But what I always liked about that play was, you know, this arranged marriage thing. I was so intrigued by it. In a weird kind of way, I thought, that's kind of nice, because if your parents pick your spouse for you, then you can't make a wrong choice. And then if things go wrong, you can just blame your parents. <laughs> kind of a, a warped way to think, but I was so crippled by making decisions that the thought of someone just making it for me, it just seemed freeing. Of course, I've changed my tune now. I don't want anybody making my decisions for me. And so now I kind of laugh that I used to be indecisive, but not anymore. I had a big change of heart with that. But what really we need to look at is trusting ourselves and not buying into that fear. And getting over the right, wrong, good, bad mentality. Because really everything that we experience in life is about learning, about growing, and just trusting that, that, that knowingness in us. We have that internal compass that we need to learn to connect with and to trust. And that really leaves us in a place of power and of being empowered because we can make those choices and we can design a radiant life. We can design the life that we choose. So it's on us to claim our decisions, no matter the consequences. And that, that really was just such a big shift for me. 
And I mean, if you think about starting in school, we're trained to look for the right answer that our teacher knows best. And if we get the right answer, we're either rewarded with a gold star or a compliment or a good grade. So we're trained to look to others to tell us what is right or wrong or the way we should think or what we should do. And really, we've been designed for creativity, but trained to be a machine. At a very early age, we've learned not to think for ourselves. So it's natural as we get out in the big, the big wide world, and it's time to make these decisions for ourselves that that can be stifling. And even in organized religion and our family dynamics, that same kind of pattern plays out. There's this cartoon that I love. I've posted it on my Instagram, and it has two lines of people the comforting lies line, and the unpleasant truth line. And in the unpleasant truths, there's actually no line. And there's a very long line in the comforting lies. And I just have always got a kick out of that because part of us, we just want to, we don't really want to check into what we know to be true. We're afraid of the truth. We're blocked from really digging in and figuring that out because we don't want to decide for ourselves or to cause pain or to feel pain. And so I just always find that kind of humorous because... It just goes back to somebody else telling us what is the truth and what is the non-truth or what is right or what is wrong. But if we can just trust ourselves, it takes other people kind of out of the equation. Now, I know this kind of makes us a little bit nervous. When I say take other people out of the equation, it doesn't mean to not be considerate and mindful of how our decisions might affect other people, but we shouldn't make our decisions to make other people happy and leave ourselves out of the equation. So that's just an important thing to remember. And I've had to learn this along the way. I've had a few bumps in my life that I've learned this lesson. And one of those goes back to when I was getting ready to go to college. And I did reference this in my first podcast. And, you know, I really was interested in psychology. And my dad kind of just gave me the the rundown on why it'd be so much better to, to be a teacher, to get a degree in elementary education. And I was just at that point where I didn't really know and I, I listened to my dad, and I went ahead and did elementary education. Of course, he didn't force me to do that. And there might have been a time or two, even later in my life, that I'm like, what was I thinking? That's just not kind of my nature. And I love kids, and it's something that it's that I just couldn't do day in and day out. Really, my interest was psychology, and that was my initial instinct. And so it's it's not to blame my dad for that, because I didn't use my agency. I made the choice upon his recommendation to do elementary education. And so often we look back and kind of blame some of those things in our life on other other people, when in reality, we always have the power to choose. And that was a big decision. And I don't regret getting my degree in that. I've used some of the things that I've learned and I enjoyed going to school and it was a positive experience in my life. But I definitely think that psychology was more in the line of what I would want to be doing now. And so it's important, too, as parents, to allow our kids to kind of make those decisions, maybe when the stakes aren't as high. Because I just wasn't trained to trusting my instincts or making those kind of decisions. And so when it came time to make this big decision, like, what should I do for college? Who should I marry? It was so difficult for me. And I did the Love and Logic classes years ago. And Really, one of the main things I got out of it that I really appreciated was this concept of allowing our kids to make mistakes when the stakes aren't as high, whether it's leaving something at home when they're supposed to be, you know, take homework or something to school when we're always kind of picking up the pieces or kind of making decisions for them or just allowing them to kind of fall 
and pick themselves back up. And I think that in our effort to create a softer landing for our kids, we almost want to put a pillow under there so they don't fall as hard. We actually stop them from the growth that they need. The best gift that we can give our kids is the gift of choice and to figure out who they want to be. And I love this quote by Khalil Gibran. It says, children come through you, but not to you. And though they are with you, they belong not to you. Let them have their own thoughts and opinions. So again, that's just very important that we can pass that along to our children. So they develop those skills of making decisions and having their own thoughts and opinions. And this often plays out in organized religion as well. There's sometimes this culture in my religion that we look to other people, to leaders, to make important decisions for us. And in reality, that's something that we have been given that ability to do on our own. And we always have that opportunity, which I talked about earlier, to pray or to look for guidance. But looking to another man to make our decisions is gets us it's a little bit of a slippery slope. And I just even remember when Tal and I were struggling with our marriage, I'd go to a church leader, I'd go to a therapist. I wanted somebody to tell me what to do. And I'm so grateful that I didn't listen to some of my therapists because I might not be married right now. And even some of my church leaders, it's just they were trying to help, but ultimately it's it was up to me to decide because how on earth can anyone know if I should stay married or not anyway? I was just deferring to someone else to help me get out of my pain so I didn't have to do the work. And that's not fair to put on anyone else. And when I was doing that, I I can't blame the therapist. I can't blame the church leader because it was me that was doing it. And so for me, eventually and gratefully, I was able to figure out on my own what I wanted to do and find my own peace and my own answers on my own. And I think sometimes we have this like, I don't know if you can visualize a concentric circle. And in the center of that circle is us. And the way it kind of worked for me growing up is that I felt like I had to go through my parents or my grandparents or my teachers or my leaders to, to connect with God. But as I went through that experience trying to figure out what I needed to do in my marriage, I was able to bypass all of those people. I needed to have that direct connection to make that decision on my own. And that is when I was able to make an empowered, clear decision, when I wasn't turning to other people to help make it for me. And I had another situation that was a little bit more painful, but on the same token, I'd gone to a church leader in regards to some of the abuse that I had been dealing with. And in so many words, this leader told me to forgive and forget. And oftentimes when people hear this, they kind of are aghast and they just don't understand why this would happen. But keep in mind, it had been 30 years since the abuse had occurred. And at that point, we didn't know for sure if it was ongoing. And so we did make the decision, or I did, to forgive and forget, to move on. And a period of two years went by where this my abuser still had access to children, which is very devastating in the end. And part of me wanted just to be angry at that leader because he told me to do this. But I chose to listen, and I chose to follow how he told me to handle a situation that was really my decision to handle. And in the end, I wasn't ready at that point to press charges. I wasn't ready until I was ready. Because now if I were in that situation, I wouldn't be going to anyone else to ask them what I should do. And if they told me to do that, to forgive and forget, I would say, forget it. (laughs) I'll do what I feel like I need to do. Because I trust myself. I have integrity. I take decision-making very seriously, but I don't let it weigh on me in a way that it smothers me like it used to. So I just think that's really important to remember that we don't want to blame other people. And I and I think about so often, you know, the, 
the story of Christ when he's crucified. We have Pontius Pilate who kind of washed his hands of the blood of the Savior. And that's kind of what we do sometimes. And that's what I was doing in that situation where I wasn't ready to take the proper steps. And I kind of washed my hands of that situation for that time. And it kind of, I kind of projected that onto somebody else. But now in my life, that's very, very different. And our leaders, our parents, our spouses, even God, the universe, when we turn that decision over to everyone else, it can be stifling for us because we have the power to make decisions. And if we can understand that, it can change our lives. Because do you really want to turn that over to someone else anyway? Now, again, I have resources that I pull to to help me get clarity. I do in my work. I pray. I ponder. I meditate. I don't say this is in a way that I know what's best and no one else can help me because I'm very aware the need that I have for good, helpful, loving people in my life. And also what I turn to as prayer is very important to me personally. And it's helped me some very, very dark, difficult times in my life. So this isn't to say that we don't need someone else or that we don't need help or we don't need guidance or that we don't need you know, the help from a higher power. It's just to understand that ultimately we need to own our choices, whatever they may be. And this has really helped me to reclaim my, my agency, to know that I have that direct connection. So moving on, I want to talk about a different angle of making decisions. I think sometimes we have to give ourselves permission to not do something in order not to feel trapped or to think about a different pathway than where we're at right now. Sometimes we have the fear of the unknown, and I'll explain that to you here a little better. The example that I will talk about is there was a phase in our lives, Cal and I wanted to move to Utah, and this was probably about 11 years ago, and I was determined. We were up there in the summer. It was beautiful. It was green. It was cool. The weather was beautiful. And I was just, I love nature. I've talked about that before. And so we just kind of got this idea in our head that we wanted to move there. And we found this amazing house. And I was just so excited about the idea of just a fresh start. And it was kind of right before the recession happened. And we we're in the construction business. And so it just seemed like it would be a good opportunity to maybe do something different or to enhance our business. It just, just all these reasons together, I just felt so clear and determined that I wanted to move. And to kind of explain that a little bit deeper, I had lived in Arizona my entire life, other than my four months away at college. It wasn't very long. And so I do think I felt trapped living here. And I didn't really enjoy or acknowledge the beauty because I was so focused on what Arizona doesn't have and why I always wanted to live somewhere else. And I'd go on vacations and never failed when I'd go on a trip somewhere beautiful. I'd come home and just have a few days of like, what on earth? It's brown here. It's hot. I just did not embrace living here because I felt trapped. So for an entire year, we tried to sell our house. And I was determined, like I said. You know, that whole secret was big at the time. So I had a big big picture on our fridge that said sold on our house. And I had just this whole dream in my head of moving to Utah and just this new life that we would have. And I remember talking to my dad about this and he just looked at me and he said, Jennifer, wherever you go, there you are. So really what I was escaping and trying to get away from wouldn't change because of the landscape or living somewhere else. But I didn't take that advice very well in the beginning. (laughs) In fact, I think the reason why I wanted to move 
was the reason why I wouldn't want to move is family. I'd always lived around our family other than, like I said, those four months, which wasn't very long. And so this whole exercise of this year was a really profound experience for me because as I was looking around, doing things with my family, going up to our family ranch, having Christmas parties together, all these things that I knew I'd be missing out on, I began focusing instead on what I'd be missing if I moved. And over time, I was just able to shift even to being able to see Arizona in a different life. I was able to embrace the cactuses. I started hiking. I started enjoying the beauty that is here that is different than other places, but still beautiful nonetheless. It was an, I mean, I'm a slow learner. It took me a whole year to finally just shift and realize that my happiness wasn't contingent on where I lived. But giving myself permission took away that feeling of being trapped. So when that year was up, I finally made the choice that I wanted to stay here. And thankfully, town's pretty good to accommodate some of my indecisiveness sometimes. And we both ultimately made the decision that we would stay here. And it wasn't a week or two later that our house sold. And it just was very clear that our path was to stay here. Well, it gets pretty interesting. So our house sold and we didn't have something else lined up right away because we weren't expecting it to sell out of the blue because, like I said, it had been on the market for an, an entire year. So we ended up moving in with our parents. And I didn't know then what a blessing this would be. We moved in with our parents around August and then we moved out around December, right before Christmas. And it was a time that was just this, this, this special time with my mom and dad, where it was just my family and them. And that's really hard to get that one-on-one time when there's 10 kids and you add in spouses and you add in grandchildren. I kind of had them all to myself, and so did my children and my husband. And my dad would wake up in the morning and he'd just be cheery and happy. I mean, my dad really rarely got cranky. And he'd welcome us with bacon and eggs and top of the morning. And it was just this special time that we just had with my dad and with my mom. And I loved it at the time, and I treasured it at the time, and I knew that it was a blessed opportunity for us. But I didn't really realize how much so. So we finally figured out what house we were going to get. Like I said, we moved out in December. And it was our first day of school. My kids were going to their new school. And the beautiful thing about where we lived now was that my kids could ride their bikes to school. I had been driving them 20 minutes each way to school for the last seven or eight years. So it was an exciting day to say the least. And I called my dad that morning and just kind of told him about the kids, you know, getting off to school. And my mom was out of town at the time. And we just had this really sweet talk. And we talked about what we were going to do for dinner that night. Because since she was gone, we decided to go get something together. And my dad sounded great. He'd just been riding horses that weekend. It was just a normal conversation. And I didn't know that would be the last time I would talk to my dad. And I look back at that decision that I was so determined that I would leave, that I wanted to get away. And when things didn't work out, I didn't really understand, but I just eventually felt that the right thing to do was to stay. And if nothing else, that time with my dad, living with him, having that quality time with him, going out and seeing the horses with him, spending times in the evening just small talking, I wouldn't have had that if we had moved to Utah. And so 
It just goes back to just to allowing ourselves to explore other opportunities and to know that if we're feeling trapped, that's something that we're projecting onto ourselves. And that was just such an important lesson for me that I learned. And the serenity prayer is something that I often have to recite in my mind because, again, I can torment myself with the what-ifs, the decisions, and all of these things. And I've really been able to work through that, but this is often a good reminder for me. And it says, God, grant me the serenity to accept things I cannot change, courage to accept the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And really, if we focus on what we can't change anyway, it is just a waste of our energy. It's a waste of time. How often do we do that? It is completely counterproductive. I think it's so important that we learn to live in the now and to say yes to life the way it is right now. And that is something that Viktor Frankl talks about in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. I had the opportunity about 12, 13 years ago to go to Poland And we went to the Auschwitz concentration camp. And even prior to that, when I was newly married, Tal and I went to Dachau. And so both of those experiences changed me in a way that words will not properly express. So Viktor Frankl was a Jew, and he ended up in both of those concentration camps. And he was a neurologist and a psychiatrist before he was in the camp and after he was in the camp. And he wrote this book, like I said, Man's Search for Meaning, and he talked about the way of life there and what he had to endure and what he had to see other people go through. And again, being there firsthand, seeing the living conditions, seeing the crematoriums, seeing rooms filled with baby shoes, rooms filled with glasses that were taken from the Jews as they came in. Rugs were made out of the hair from the Jews. It was They have all these on display there and the magnitude of that. It was just overwhelming. It took me a few days to really come to grips with that. It was very hard to watch and hard to to see. But during that time, I had read this book, and his perspective is so powerful. His parents, his wife were all murdered in concentration camps. His only family member to survive was his sister, Stella, and that was only because she'd immigrated to Australia prior to this. So when he came out of the concentration camp, he ended up surviving. And the only reason that he did is because they had moved him back to Dachau towards the end before it was liberated by the Americans to be a practitioner. So he really had nothing. His family, everything that he went into that camp with was gone. But his perspective and his wisdom has touched millions of lives. And one of the quotes that I love of his, and there's so many worth sharing, so I would just encourage you to read that book. But he says here, Everything can be taken away from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. We are going to face heartaches, trials, and have pain in our life. That is inevitable. And it may not be to the degree that Viktor Frankl experienced, but pain is pain. And the beautiful thing about his example is that no matter how difficult or dark that it is, we can still choose happiness. So going back to the topic that we begin with is choice. We can choose to be happy regardless of what's going on in our lives. You're not a victim of your circumstances, but a product of your choices. Every day you have the opportunity to choose happiness, 
to choose to focus on what isn't working in your life, to choose a half glass full or a half glass empty mentality. It's kind of a cliche, but truly that is the choice that we have every day to make. The way our lives play out, the way relationships are working or not working for us, how much happiness we are experiencing, that is on us. It is not up to anyone or anything else to make us happy. And Albert Einstein has surprised me a little bit. I always kind of thought of him as a math guy. But some of my favorite quotes are from him. But what he says is, I must be willing to give up who I am in order to become what I will be. So who do you want to be? What kind of life do you want to live? Do you want to choose happiness or do you want to choose suffering? And I'll say this now and I'll probably say it again, that pain is given in life, but suffering is optional. We have the choice. So what do you want to choose? That choice is yours. Thanks for tuning in today. And until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to the Let It Glow podcast. If you enjoyed this show, share the love with a friend. This podcast can be found on iTunes or subscribe on my website at www.let-it-glow.com. And remember, let go and let it glow.